Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Today on the Ether, Shade Protocol into the Interchain with White Whale DeFi. Let's take a listen. Welcome, welcome. Um, we'll give it a couple minutes, obviously. Let more people, the tweets about to go out uh, that we host in the space. So, and it's live. So, we'll get there. Hey there. How are you? Good, good. What about yourself? Doing well. Carter should be joining here uh, shortly, but if you did see the tweet that went out, um, if you can support it and just retweet and like it, that would be that'd be awesome. So people can people can see that the space started. Yep, already shared it and liked it. Awesome, thank you. Welcome DC, welcome Jan. Uh, awesome community members. If you guys can also share that uh, announcement that it went out uh, that the space is live, that would be awesome. Looks like Carter joined as well. Morning, how we doing? Morning, Cart. Very excited for for this Twitter space, actually. Most definitely. In my nice, glad to that. Thoughts. I know you had a couple of questions in queue, but I definitely have one or two I'd love to to tee off with. Yeah, absolutely. No, no worries. In my opinion, it's been fascinating to watch, like Terra projects recover from the collapse regather their community and continue to build and like today i think is a very unique opportunity uh just to be able to like learn about white whale how like what what they've learned from in the last in the last year um about community amidst amidst trials what it means to continue to build against against all odds um, and what their what their vision is of the future for for white whale and how they fit into the the larger interchain community and cosmos. Those those are the things I'm I'm really excited to, to talk about today. Sounds great. Which without without further ado, because you know people always people always trickle in, and this being recorded, we might as well might as well kick things off. Um, walk us through just the the history of white whale. The, the original problem that it set out to solve back in, um, you know, late 2021 and 2022, like what was the problem intended to be solved? Um, the problems that you guys encountered, um, how you overcame those trials and tribulations and ultimately what, like where, where is Whitewell heading as a solution? What service is it providing for, for end users? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that one. Um, yeah, so my, my name is Sebastian. I'm the founder. If you guys aren't familiar with White Whale, um, I'll just give you a quick intro and history, like you said. So, um, so yeah, we were originally built on Terra, um, which is now Terra Classic. 
Um, ironically enough, you know, the original vision for White Whale was um, was actually centered around protecting the USD peg, right? Um, we want, and we all know how that ended, right? We wanted to build an arbitrage platform that basically um, allowed, enabled retail and kind of empowered retail um, to participate in arbitrage and, and complicated um, trading strategies, right? So, like, arbitrage is a very important um, part of DeFi. Um, it, it stabilizes prices, uh, right, um, adds the volume. It's, it's just a, it's a critical piece of the puzzle. Um, but even still to this day, you know, arbitrage is there. There's just a high barrier of entry for arbing, right? You don't you don't have a lot of parties doing it. The ones that are doing it are have a lot of capital, right? Have a lot of resources, um, have technical skills, right? Have the infrastructure in place. It's just hard to break. It's hard to crack into, um, and they're they're pretty well moded, right? Um, and and this is this isn't you know we we saw this as not a good thing. It's not one. It's not decentralized. You know, basically you have um, a few parties doing it in the dark um, and and making all kinds of money on it. Um, you know, so we wanted to kind of break that up and. Um, you know, democratize arbitrage, right? So our, our original model on Terra One was basically you deposited UST in, in a vault and um, that UST sat in anchor, right? Um, but was also used to ARB. So it was used to ARB um, all across Terra, right? So all the DEXs on Terra, uh, all the pairs on Terra, really all the UST pairs on Terra, but then it was it was also used to protect the peg. It was also used to arb on the L1, right? Now at the end of the day, we were one of the players um, who were trying to protect the peg um, during the crash. It, you know, we were twenty million dollars worth of capital trying to protect twenty billion. So we were one of the smaller players, but we were one of the players, and we we tried valiantly, right? We um we were arbing UST all the way till the very end until the lights went out. Um, you know, but it was, it was too little too late, obviously. Uh, we learned a lot there, you know, we really did, you know, we were basically at ground zero, right. Um, for that entire collapse. Um, and there were a lot of valuable lessons I think that we took away from it. Right. Um, but you know, as, as Carter was saying, you know, we had, we had to rebuild, we had to rally our community. Right. Um, you know, we had to kind of push forward after basically, a, you know, a nuclear bomb went off on our heads, exploded on our heads. Right. So it's not the easiest thing. And not a lot of teams did it right. Like, you know, you see a few teams that have kind of come out of the ashes. Um, a few of the, the, the OG Terra protocols that have sort of risen from the ashes, but not all of them have. Right. By, by no means. <clears throat> by no means, all of them have. Um, but we did, you know, we did, we reinvented ourselves. We kind of retooled our platform. Our vision now is much bigger. Our model, we, you know, our model has improved. Um, we're now, you know, focused on um, interchain liquidity, right? And kind of this liquidity infrastructure as well as arbitrage infrastructure um, across the IBC, across the cosmos. It, you know, so we 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 reinvented ourselves, um, you know, and and pushed forward and and just continued to build, right? So, um, so that's where we're at currently.
Amazing. Thanks for that, that run through. I, I would love to know what were you feeling the day of the collapse and maybe 72 hours out because there's so many, so many people had to experience that. And as a builder, I can't even imagine what that felt like. So what, what, did, what did it mean in that first week to like think about what had happened and somehow pivot amidst all of that? What did, what did that look like? What did that feel like? What were the emotions? So are you talking post collapse? Are you talking kind of during? I mean, during during the collapse and and like shortly after the collapse, yeah, yeah. So during the crash, I mean, you're you're in crisis mode, right? So you're not really having time to process emotions or panic or anything. Like we were, you know, we were trying to keep all our nodes running, right? Like volumes were going crazy. Other arbors were were going haywire on the chain. Like it was. It, you know, it, it was basically like fog of war. Um, you know, we were trying to do everything we can, we could, um, you know, to, to protect the peg throughout the entire crisis, right, up until the very end. So you kind of didn't really have time to, um, you know, feel or have emotions or, or process anything, right? Um you know, after after the crash and, you know, when when the dust started to settle, um, you know, I, I mean, I think there was shock. I think a lot a lot of our team members, um, you know, some of them anyways, was their first real time getting wrecked. Right. Like, the you know, everybody's got to get wrecked in crypto. Right. Fortunately, I have in some of our OG and some of our senior members been around long enough to where we've gotten wrecked before. and this is just another time getting wrecked, you know, albeit a big one, you know, but, but we've, we've been through the gauntlet before. So some of our team members, you know, it was their first time. And so that, you know, everybody, I mean, you can all remember your first time getting absolutely wrecked and, and what it was like, you know, so they're, they're kind of managing that and, and going through that. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is right it, it is what it is and we just kind of um you know picked up the pieces but we the, the other thing too is we were pretty fortunate um you know while everything was falling apart you know we had some emergency meetings and we zigged and zagged a little bit and we were able to um to rescue you know a, a portion of our development funds anyways you know so it wasn't like we were just dead in the water right um wasn't like we 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 were just dead so you know we still had some light at the end of the tunnel we still had some some funds to work with and things like that um so you know after a week or two of of kind of you know letting <coughs> letting our heads stop spinning um we just we just got together and started started planning started um discussing how we were gonna how we were gonna move forward and what we should do with the model and um you know that kind of thing i I think you know coming out of the crash i'll say this about our team it it really um it, it really brought to light it really exposed the character of some of our team members there was a lot of positivity a lot of encouragement um, you know, and a lot of we're going to make it through this, you know, there really was. And I think we do. We have a very optimistic group. Um, I'll say that. And and that really, I think, was helpful and served us well in the in that scenario. 
What was the dialogue like with the community, you know, one month out, two months out from crash? And what, what were the biggest lessons learned about the, like about your own community and, and, and stakeholders that had to, you know, go through all of that and decide, right. despite all of this, I, I'm a white whale supporter. Like what did right. that dialogue yeah. like? What did you learn? Yeah. Um, so, so, so one, you really learn who, who your true community is, right. And who the believers are. I mean, that's, that really, it really brings that to light, but, but here's what I'll say. And, um, you know, this isn't so much about the, the white whale specific community, but more about the Terra community pre-crash is, uh, my God, were, were they entitled, right? And were we, I'll, I'll include myself, right? But my God, were we entitled and, and bratty and just like, just, I, I, I don't know, like exhausting. I mean, looking back on the pre-crash, our pre-crash community, like one you know, 20% yield wasn't enough, right? Like we would constantly get, you know, crapped on um, because our, you know, our Delta neutral arbitrage vault was only yielding another fraction of a percentage point on top of a 20% yield. So, you know, basically it was, you know, we're sorry, we're only yielding 20.3 or 24.5%. Uh, you know, but it, it, you just you couldn't believe the entitlements and like the, you know, it was basically what it was, was a bunch of kids that just got crazy rich, crazy fast. Right. And, um, you know, just kind of expected, expected, um, you know, unreasonable yields, unreasonable returns. Um, you know, it's a very entitled community. Really, really was, you know, and um, that that was looking back. I mean, we we didn't see it now, but it was exhausting. It was exhausting just catering to and pandering to and like, you know, kind of babysitting, um, you know, the the entitled Terra community pre-crash. You know, uh, looking back, it's it's very it's very clear and very obvious um, now. It's almost laughable. Right. Almost laughable. But what are you going to do? Right. What, what are you going to do? We had all just gotten very rich, very fast. And, you know, it was it showed, you know. <laughs> so you, would you say it was the, the yield, the yield and the rapid success that made the community like that? Or, or was it more of like a cultural tarot wide thing? Like, I, I'm just I'm just curious if we dig into that and, and mainly because like one thing like as, as a fellow cosmos builder and one thing we could all learn from is like, what does it mean to lead your community and try to like create values of like humility, for instance, as opposed right. to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like there were the yields was, was one thing, right. And the anchor yield driving, driving, like you're just starting at a 20% base yield for your stable coins. Um, you know, but I think it there was just a, there was an elitist, you know, there there was an elitist mentality among the Terra community. Um, you know, there we, we were maxis. We were men. And again, I'm including myself. You know, um, Terra was better than everything else. It was, you know, it was the shit. You know, and uh, and and we had just gotten rich off it, right? We had just ex- seen it explode, and we all had these big bags. Um, you know, so we we had that error. We had that error about us. Um, you know, and it definitely was a breeding ground for sort of this pride, you know, and, and this entitlement, 
right? Um, that, 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 you know, was, was in Doquan for sure, but also in, in, um, the community members as well. Right. And, and pride precedes the fall, you know? So before we pivot over to some of Dalton's questions, um, first off, like really phenomenal answers and thanks for opening up and kind of being vulnerable about some of these things. Cause they're yeah, not always yeah. like the prettiest things to hear. Right. Um, so, you were there at Chi Alpha in 2021. Um, I, I was as well. And one thing I, I walked away from that conference was, was like, in, in hindsight, obviously there was a lot of the things you, you talked about. But separate from that, there was also this unbelievable like, optimism and momentum that this dream of decentralized finance was was real and that it was something that couldn't couldn't be couldn't be stopped and so if we if we carve out like that actual pure honest belief and momentum like what does it take to build that type of enthusiasm was that even a healthy level of enthusiasm like decentralized finance yeah and and you know that's fair that's a fair point and it's kind of the flip side of of what i what i've been saying about the egos and the pride is there there was also a belief a sincere belief that you know we we were changing finance right and that we were we were a part of this movement to create decentralized money you know uncensorable and unstoppable money and that we we were doing it we were almost there right so and and i think that i think that's a healthy part of it you know, I think that that's kind of the healthy side. And like, I still, I still share those beliefs, you know, I, I still do. And I still, like, I haven't given up, but I, I don't think Terra collapsing, um, you know, is, is reason enough to just abandon um, those ideals, right. And beliefs in decentralized money and, and, um, and, and that whole concept, you know, I liken it and I've said this before, but I, I liken it to um, Elon Musk, right? When he would he would send a he would send a rocket up up into space and it would explode, you know, it would blow up. And you know, the, the interviewers they'd ask him, they'd be like, "Yeah, you just you just lost eight hundred million dollars and nine hundred million dollars." And he would say, "Yeah, well, we learned a lot, you know, we we learned a lot." And I I think um, Terra in, in a lot of ways was a rocket that exploded, you know. Um, and we can, you know, we can all point fingers and we can, um, you know, do that kind of thing. Or we can we can ask, OK, what did we learn from this rocket exploding? So the next time we try to, to create decentralized money and do this, um, we can we can not make those same mistakes. Right. And we can make a more robust, uh, better model, better approach, better attitudes, um, you know, hedges in place that that kind of thing right so so that's kind of how i look at it i really like your analogy of the the rocket because you know it's a rocket it launches up into the sky and everyone looks up you know and i I think that like terra at its peak there was like think about the number of of builders that were inspired by the success of ust before before it broke and I think like myself, I'm, I'm one of those builders. I, I don't think I would be here today on the verge of launching like a, 
a, a stable coin, you know, be it not for what Terra was. So yeah. it's like, even though the rocket exploded, it caused a lot of us to look up and try to launch our own rockets. And, and maybe, maybe one day we'll arrive. Maybe one day those rockets will land. You know, yeah. and that, that's what three, four, yeah. Yeah. It, it was inspiring. Terra was inspiring. There was nothing like it. Like I, you know, it inspired me to build, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't have just built this on, on any other chain, it, you know, and, and the same for a lot of people. I, I know, you know, most of the founders, especially the V1 founders, and they were all kind of captured and, and inspired um, by Terra and by Do Kwan, you know, um, and, and, and a lot of us are still going. So there's I think there's something to say for that, you know. Walk me through your entrance into cosmos what, what was it like being um welcomed or not welcomed um into the cosmos and what what has that experience been been like to date yeah i mean it was the you know it was kind of the natural pivot you know it's kind of the obvious pivot right because of all of the code overlap um and just it's kind of a seamless transition um from a technical perspective um, I would say most most of the Cosmos community um, is very welcoming, very, you know, um, arms wide open. Hey, come on, come on over. I, and, and rightfully so, right? Like, you know, Terra, Terra had a lot of good builders, you know. It, it could have been argued that it, it, in its, at the top, you know, some of the best builders in DeFi were building on Terra. Um, you know, so when they collapsed, it's funny, you saw all these other chains you know, with, with all these incentives and, and, you know, it's kind of like a feeding frenzy to get the builders um, to come over to their chain. Right. But, but Cosmos is the, is the natural step, natural transition. There's a lot to, to look, uh, you know, to be excited about, I think um, in Cosmos, but I'll say this, not, not everybody was, was welcoming, you know, there was, there was mixed feelings and, and that's, you know, that's fair. Right. Uh, I think that's fair. There's, a lot of emotions involved involved in the in the whole Terra Terra saga. So, you know, I, I think it's to be expected. Let's but for the this. for the most part, everybody was great. Everybody was great. Community very welcoming. That's that's good. That's good to hear. I, it was fascinating to see the exodus, and I think briefly what I saw from from my end was some of those DeFi Cosmos projects suddenly had this uneasy realization that more competition was about to come to like the little Cosmos niche. Mm-hmm. Terra yeah. was kind of on its own little island. So that was kind of fascinating to, to watch the, the, the tremors go out uh, during the region. Yep. So let's, let's pivot here to product. Um, what, what is in its current state, what, what is white whale, like doing what, what as, as walk me through the user story right now with white whale and then walk me through the smart contract and infrastructure user story of how white whale is generating value and, and what, what service it's providing and, and to whom. Yep. Yeah. So I, I actually, I'll punt this over to secret ninja. Um, let him talk a little bit. I've been talking for a while, so uh, we can, we'll let him take this one. Yeah, sure. So um, White Whale, I mean, after the um, terror collapse, we were we were known for um, our uh, arbitrage on Terra. So um, 
um, our now CTO, who's uh, on vacation right now, shout out to him, <laughs> uh, designed um, an interchain liquidity protocol with an arbitrage infrastructure so that the arbitrage is still within the story of white whale but um we we are obviously expanding more and having bigger goals in that that we're launching on every major defi cosmos chain that is our goal and uh, through our look liquidity hubs, uh, the liquidity hubs uh, consist of uh, on the one side of um, our bot first pools, and those are plain AMM DEX modules, and on the other side um, of flash loan vaults, and those flash loans vaults are used to uh, take flash loans and ARP locally against the main DEX on-chain. And that enables uh, local arbitrage on-chain because otherwise, before that, um, if you wanted to do an arbitrage swap, let's say, for example, between Osmosis and JunoSwap, you would have to use the IBC protocol in between and you can't do an arbitrage within the same block. So you have to... Uh, um use like two uh, at least two blocks and that introduces risk right because uh, prices could change and the local arbitrages enables uh, the usual uh, known flash loan um, arch architecture like it is on ethereum and um, that is that is step one of our um, protocol design and in step two, which is really exciting, or do you have questions regarding that? No, no, keep keep going, keep going. I have questions after point two. Yeah. So, um, so our main goal is right now to deploy, like I said, on every major DeFi chain and enable this arbitrage infra infrastructure and br bring liquidity onto the chains. And in step two we will have an interchain command center, which is basically the heart of our protocol. You can imagine it like a, like a heart, which pumps out blood, or in this case, liquidity, to wherever it's needed most, right? So um, let's say, for example, on uh, Secret, there's uh, a lot of action on um in the in the shade ecosystem right so we deployed our liquidity hub there i hope we will in the future <laughs> um and uh and uh let's say for example i don't know on other chains there isn't that much activity right now so um liquidity will flow from other chains to uh, secret to the secret network and therefore bring the needed liquidity into the shade ecosystem and uh, other and that's very efficient because otherwise the capital would sit idle on chain right and it enables also like of course better swaps better arbitrage opportunities and all that good stuff for um degens fascinating so the liquidity is getting rotated around in relation to where volume is and white whale is incentivized to rotate that liquidity around because 
they're arbing against their own pools in relation to all of that volume. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, liquidity will most likely flow. We haven't like figured out the exact mechanism that's to be determined, like how how we're de determining um, on where the how the liquidity is flowing through the interchain. We have maybe some little tweaks here and there, but um, yeah, but, uh, the concept you got right. Uh, that that's exactly what we're doing, and um, that will obviously bring like more volume on the main decks, right? Let's say uh, if Shade Swap is gonna launch, that will if there is a lot of arbitrage opportunities there, that will bring a lot of volume and a ton of uh, APY for your LPs. So that's that's really. Uh, what what we are aiming for that's awesome so i want to i want to dive here now into some of the infrastructure be, be, of surrounding ibc arbitrage so you know i, I it's like um essentially there's a there's a there's a time there's like time value risk anytime an arbitrage can't be performed in a single block but just because arbitrage can't be performed in a single block it doesn't mean that there isn't an arbitrage opportunity. It just means the risk to actually lock it in is, you know, increases, right? So walk me through um, where, where you think the role of relayers and arbitrage will be in IBC, as well as like minor tractable value. Like what is White Whale's relationship to those different pieces of infrastructure that are emerging as like the lifeblood of IBC? And how does it relate to arbitrage like White Whale? Yeah, I mean, you're you're exactly right. You're mentioning mentioning the right points. Just because there is uh, more risk to an arbitrage opportunity doesn't mean someone will take it, right? And we're actually working um, behind the scenes already on uh, cross-chain arbitrages. I don't know if you're familiar with with uh, Skip protocol. They're they're tackling exactly that MEV problem and uh, how to solve it. And we are working with them. We have a collaboration going on with them um, on how to do like cross-chain um, cross-chain arbitrages because that that would be like the the goal the golden crown basically right um interchain arbitrage and uh we are we are definitely looking into that problem right now and uh how and figuring out how to solve it hopefully fascinating that that's a nice that's a cool little alpha league i'll have to look into to their team and i'll be on the lookout for those types of infrastructure solutions and like the interesting part about you know interchain arbitrages there's so much value to be unlocked there and there's also like um there's a lot of uh power type like I, you know ethereum what's happening with minor trackable value all the different flash bots that are being built up around it and it's like imagine that but like times a hundred and within like an interchain context like five years from now it's like the stakes what what's at stake is 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 like huge so i want to shift this to one other type of arbitrage um I'm really curious about so staking derivatives are something that are you know emerging in the in the cosmos with Stride, Quicksilver, Shape Protocols also launched one of our own, and one of the arb arb opportunities that exists is essentially buying a derivative that's undervalued on a dex, and then experience ex experiencing the 21 day unbonding period, and at the end of the 21 days, 
you have, you know, more of the nominal token compared to what, what you bought, right? Like, um, it's, so it's a very, it's a very like interesting arbitrage, but it's like a long form arbitrage because most arbors, your time value of capital is so high that you really don't want to commit to anything more than a couple blocks. So what, do you have any theories on these types of like, um, arbitrage that take many, many days to, to perform tied to staking derivatives? Have you seen ARB communities talk about the potential of ARBing those price disparities? Just, just curious if you, if you, if you thought about that at all. Yeah, uh, so what I will say to that, I mean, those opportunities existed back on Terra, right? <laughs> so there, there were so many staking derivatives at some point at Terra um, that people, whenever there was an opp opportunity like to gain three, four, five percent, um, then uh, people took it and uh, are basically um, the liquid staking, uh, the uh, you, uh, regular token against the liquid staking token and uh, unbonded it immediately for 21 days. So I guess that will happen as well. I, I, my hope is that at some point uh, liquid staking is so ubiquitous that the pools get so deep that there isn't really an arbitrage opportunity more because markets will get so efficient. I mean, that's probably far out in the future <laughs> uh, but uh, that that was that is like my hope that the liquidity gets so deep on on decentralized exchanges that that isn't like an issue anymore you know that markets will wow. basically super I'll, I'll chime in too on this um you know when you, when you think about liquid staking derivatives um and derivatives in general um and and basically anything that can be arbed right so and and with the liquid staking ones so for example you had the b luna luna pool right on terra one which was you know that was pretty deep and that was a famous one it was notorious for its arb opportunities and whenever there was a you know cascading liquidations you could get you know crazy um crazy discounts right and crazy premiums and and score some more luna and build your bags and all that kind of stuff um but but here here's the thing white whale that with with our new model that we're building right um anything that can be arbed anything that's pegged any derivative that's pegged to something original will uh, you know will have a very compelling use case on white whale okay because so let's say for let, let's say for example um silk right or or a stable coin um if if you want your your pools and it basically if you want market coverage across the ibc right we can we can do that for you instantly right so instead of having to go let's say if you want silk um or if you want your stable coin on you know on juno you want it on injective you want it you know on terra you, you want it on all these major trains across the ibc you can either go to the dexes go to the juniswap team and then go to the hash report team and then go to this team right and get you know open pools on all of their on, on every single one of their exchanges or you just open one pool with us and and then it it goes everywhere it goes across the entire ibc and then is balanced, right? And then the and, and the liquidity is balanced, right? So it's instant spread. So when you're talking about the, the liquid staking derivatives, right? Um, 
you know, you have retail, like that's one thing that retail can arb manually pretty easily. You just buy it, you, you buy the the derivative at a discount and then you unstake it, right? And you wait the cooldown period. But what this is going to do, what, what what whale is going to do is going to spread those pools out over all the IBC, get the market coverage, sort of cover the spectrum of those retail users where where they can all buy it and then they could all unstake it, right? Um you know, and then still have that that deep pull, that deep liquidity um, going around, right? So, so basically, um, it's it's kind of opening up that manual arb opportunity to a, to a wider spectrum, a wider audience, if you will, across the IBC um, for the liquid staking derivatives, as well as opening up a whole nother realm, um, you know, for for things like stable coins. Wow, that that's super cool to think about the liquidity deployment because that's I know like from our perspective we are having to approach DEXs one by one by one. And if someone told me, you know, hey, you can deploy your capital here and it automatically get deployed across X number of DEXs, I'm I'm not sure how that solves you know emission deals with DEXs because those are equally as important uh, in, in many ways. But that's super cool from like a high level perspective that the value add could be. Projects can deploy liquidity across the entire interchain and build out accessibility of their token by simply deploying their liquidity to the white white whale uh, heart hub, which is kind of how you guys described it. Right. Yeah. So, so most stablecoin providers, right? Most stablecoin issuers, they want to export their stablecoin, right? Like you don't want your stablecoin just on just on your chain that you're deploying on. You want to export it all over, at least all over the cosmos, right? So this becomes very appealing and and very compelling to them. And then on emissions, you know, I mean, just think about it. It's it's just simpler logistically and pragmatically, right? If if you're offering incentives, um, you know, for your stablecoin to to offer them just on white whale, and again, that liquidity. So then you're you're getting this deep pool. Right. But that's getting balanced. That's getting spread out all over the um, all over the cosmos rather than, OK, we have this these emissions here, these incentives here, these incentives here. Um, it, it's just it's cleaner. You know, it's cleaner. Very cool. All right. I want to I want to pivot to what I consider my, my my challenge, challenge questions for this Twitter space. So so buckle, buckle up. These are the, these are the. Not not as fun questions. Um, That's good. So, Secret, Secret Ninja is going to take these ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, our arbitrage is really interesting, right? So, you, so you have you have these smart contracts, but at the end of the day, like someone has to trigger the smart contract, right? Like smart contract checks for arbitrage opportunity. It's there, and someone has to trigger it. And you're you're in a race against everyone else who has their their off-chain infrastructure. So how do you handle the decentralization component of your protocol, considering that it's extremely difficult to not have centralized infrastructure when you're playing a game of speed? Yeah, I, I'll take this one. And then and then Secret Ninja, he can jump in if, if he wants. So I would say that was a problem for us on V1 right because we were so and and we've shifted we've shifted gears and part you know a big part is because of the issue that you're bringing up like you raise a very valid point right so on v1 we were actually running bots running centralized bots right that were um that were arbing okay and um 
but that was a that was a part of our protocol and at the protocol level in the sense that you deposited into the UST vaults, right? And you were connected to our our bots. Your your capital was um, <clears throat> it was deposited into Anchor, but it was also used um, by by our bots that we were running as uh, as a team, right? But they were functioning on the protocol level. V two doesn't do that. Our V two does not do that. We're more building the roads we're building the we're building the waterways we're building the infrastructure that will allow other arbors to come and run their bots right using our flash loans and using our liquidity pools so we do run bots as a team but they're you know they're not on the protocol level they're actually we're actually customers of white whale so we're running bots um that are arbing our pools against say the juno swap pools right um and they're they're stabilizing the prices and they're keeping the pools balanced. However, that that's just internal funds, right? That's just internal team funds that's doing that. So there's no bots in, in V2. There's no bots being run at the protocol level, if that makes sense. Interesting. Very cool. That's a that's a great great answer. It was something I was always always curious about. So that that was that was my main challenge question, and I think that's like an excellent answer. Um, from a sustainability standpoint. A lot of this model depends on, you know, liquidity being provided to the white whale hub, as I'll, as I'll call it. Um, and traditionally, like, there's there's a disproportionate amount of demand for liquidity compared to supply, and so that means that a lot of times emissions has to be used to attract capital. So, what is white whale's solution for attracting liquidity? What what is the model look like and what does sustainability look like in relation to that model? Go ahead, Ninja. You could take that one if you want, if you like. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I guess um, in the beginning, uh, we're going to have like a similar approach as all the other protocols. Um, we, we're going to obviously incentivize our liquidity and we're in talks like depending on the individual partnerships um, that the other side is providing incentivization as well, or even uh, provide uh, their native liquidity on chain uh, in order to uh, seed our pools. So um, that, that that is one approach. But um, I guess in the long term, our, our, uh, we hope to design our tokenomics the, uh, in a way that people are going to be incentivized beyond just um, beyond just our emission emission schedule by uh, redistributing our uh, protocol revenue. I don't know if I can share any alpha on that yet. <laughs> but, uh, hold me back, Sebastian. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, but I guess people are gonna be very, very interested in our redistribution mechanism that, that we're designing for our protocol. And we hope to, uh, due to that mechanism that people will provide liquidity to us. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'll say is that we're, we're currently working on an incentives model um, <clears throat> that does emit tokens. Right. That does have you have liquidity um, LP incentives. Um, however, there there are um, there are very high incentives to not dump to not dump those uh, those emissions. Right. So we're working on a model that that does reward LPs 
um, but that also discourages the immediate the immediate dumping of of those tokens of those inflationary tokens. And there are, there are some some cutting edge protocols that are that are doing some interesting things with this, and we're kind of studying them. Um, so so that's that's kind of in the lab right now. Uh, I think I think that's probably all we could say about it here. Very cool. What are what are your thoughts on protocol owned liquidity? Where the the treasury itself is owning the liquidity as opposed yeah. to the market bringing liquidity. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of it. On on Terra, uh, on original Terra, we had the the largest protocol protocol owned liquidity pool. You know, we we had like a fifteen million dollar liquidity pool that we owned um, for 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 a whale. Um, you know, that was that was great. Um, you know, the, the issue is getting there, right? The issue is getting there. I mean, we we were able to take our. It, it was a raging bull market, right? And there were tons of tons of momentum, you know, tons of momentum on Terra. So we were able to do this boot swap event and just, um, it, you know, raise that kind of money and withdraw it straight into our liquidity pool. So we, you know, we were able to raise it and we were able to raise our pool. Um, to, you know, the market's different now, right? So. You know, it's just, it's, I, I'm, I'm a fan of POL. I'm a fan of protocol and liquidity. However, you need the capital. You need to get the capital from somewhere. So, um, you know, we'll see what what options, you know, present themselves in the future and what markets look like. But, um, but yeah, if there's a way we can figure out how to how to capture our liquidity pool and, and own it, um, we, we're certainly open to that, you know. Yeah, fun fact, Shade Protocol launched the first bond product in the Cosmos, to, to yeah. my knowledge. So if you ever want to issue bonds yeah. and sell sell your token for LP tokens, just, yeah. just let us know as a protocol. would be happy to collaborate on that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we were actually in talks with, with Olympus Dow, you know, when, when that was a thing and they were exporting and they were – you know they were going to launch on Terra, and, and we were um, we were planning on working with them and issuing bonds and, and all that stuff. So I yeah I, I am a fan of that model. Um, you know I, I think there's there's value there. Um, you know, but I, I it, you know I'd be lying if I said that was high on our priority list right now. It's just not not something that we're focused on at the moment, right? Yeah, completely fair. Just uh, just as a um, the fun, like the sole sh- shade protocol shield so far on the Twitter shades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think this was a really thorough session. Uh, we have we have ten minutes left here, and actually, Dalton's phone, or I'm in office with him. I'm gonna we're gonna open this up to community questions here for the next five or so minutes, and then we'll we'll close things out. So give me a moment while I walk over here just to let him know to look up for. For hands so uh dalton we're opening things up for questions i know you can't hear can you add people at all no okay i guess dalton apparently cannot add people right now we're having a bit of a a tech issue so in that sense uh sebastian white whale will uh open the floor up to you for any final words to the community and anyone anyone listening in i have a question actually for you guys sure uh, i i wanted to throw back the question um like how did shape protocol perceive internally the terra crash and then how are you guys feelings about your the i don't know like 
how people look at you after the terror collapse but uh, because i just i think i had to read to your uh, through your white paper yesterday and you literally said like we gotta build a model similar to ust or something <laughs> so <laughs> obviously that uh, i don't know may, maybe uh, the one or, the, or other investor wasn't happy with that model anymore and i'm uh, actually super excited on that note for for your next model i think your uh, new white paper is coming out in beginning november right yep so yeah great great question so first off i'll i'll start by saying that when when we had this vision for silk we originally it was going to be the seniorage mechanism but then there's going to be two differentiators from from terra the first was privacy and the second piece was that silk wasn't pegged to the dollar is pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities um and there was also going to be an arbitrage system tied to staking that would also um, help maintain the peg. So believe it or not, we actually were inspired by White Whale. And we said, like, what if Terra essentially had White Whale, but on a protocol level? And that was like the default thing that stakers did. That stakers collateral was participating in arbitrage, as opposed to just being locked up as a scarcity mechanism. So yeah, one of our three mechanisms that were going to be differentiated from UST was literally based off of like, what, what if we made white whale on the protocol level with an algorithmic stablecoin, right? So UST collapse. Um, I've been following UST for over a year and I've been part of the MakerDAO community back in 2017. So I like sick to my stomach. Like I, I remember going out um, that night to uh, it was like a sports sports bar. I sat at this table alone like purchased a pizza, had a glass of water and just kind of like stared up at the ceiling. Cause like, I, I just knew so many people in the Terra community and it was just like this first off, like the heartbreak for all the people, but then also like, there's nothing as humbling as believing the assumptions of a model and then seeing those assumptions break. And so like, it was like, wow, like everything that I believed about like where Silk's model was headed was based off of inheriting a lot of the assumptions of the Terra model. So like, what, like where, where does Silk go? Like, what are, what are we going to say to the community? And so the response for us is like, I released a, a blog post like 48 hours later that was like, hey, here's all the assumptions we were inheriting, like one by one. These are all the pieces of the Terra model that we, that we had. And here's fundamentally why those assumptions broke. And now that we've, you know, acknowledged these assumptions, what is the future of Silk going to look like? Silk is going to be over collateralized. We're going to use the MakerDAO model, but then we're going to have modularity where over time we can head more towards that dangerous word, algorithmic, right? So that was kind of our immediate response. And I think a lot of people in the community, I think were, you know, I think, I think there was, we, there was a lot of damage to, to shade just from, because we had positioned ourselves as a, kind of the next generation after UST. But but since then, I think the really cool part is, and I've always preached this to our team and to, to, to other, other teams, it's like I'm so grateful that I was part of Terra's ecosystem um, because I feel like a lot of the stable coins that are coming to the cosmos right now, um, they weren't being created dirt while UST was there. Like UST was assumed to be kind of the totally dominant stable coin in the cosmos too, right? So we like whenever, like 
long and short is I'm constantly benchmarking against UST in my head, even though UST doesn't exist anymore. I'm benchmarking against the community. I'm benchmarking it against the integration strategy, um, the product adoption strategy. And I think that like positions Silk in a really unique way because like we're uh, UST showed what the late game could look like and how to get there. Um, they just had a flawed, you know, economic model. So I'm, I'm grateful for the UST experience. Our, I think our community has responded well to the pivot towards a more safe, but less capital efficient model. And ultimately I still think we're on the verge of launching the most unique stable coin that's ever been created. So I guess that's my, my long answer. So in other words, you made some tweaks to your rocket based on what happened with UST. UST. Exactly. Made tweaks to the rocket, but never stopped looking up into the sky and believing that we could get there. You know? Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Into the Interchain, hosted by Shade Protocol with White Whale DeFi. Recorded on Wednesday, October 26, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, Starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger. Sitting in a little den. Vision in the middle, men listen to the fatal man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble babillion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble babillion. Little Dan vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next b b b No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the birds you gotta find cover wipe off the bird poop right off the work while you try on the worst juice blinded by perps who try to reverse truth slide like fox news just trying to lie to you eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants i can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis mock up a basement could call me resilient waiting for the internet to make me a billion Vision in the middle, men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion.
Assassin's.